0: Welcome to my latest podcast or YouTube video. I'm Ross Rosenberg. I'm going to talk about how my gift, I have no other way to describe it, but as a gift, my gift of being able to explain complicated things by using metaphors, analogies, symbolism has helped me tremendously to overcome some of the largest, most significant barriers in what I used to call codependency, but I now call self-love deficit disorder. I certainly wasn't taught this in school, nor did my parents teach me. What I noticed early on, as early as 17 years old, when I was struggling with some serious problems, and a little backstory, I was, back in the day, they didn't have uh, drug and alcohol treatment centers. This was in the mid-70s. They had these mental health facilities that uh, we would call inpatient psychiatric placements. But all my parents needed and wanted was a place to help me with my severe drug abuse problem. And so I was in this place for three months and it had profound impact on helping me figure things out. And I remember like it was yesterday being in group therapy and everyone, including the group therapist, was giving me a hard time because I kept saying there's nothing wrong with smoking a lot of weed and doing this and that other drug because it makes me feel good and why would feeling good be dysfunctional or or harmful? That's what I believed pushed and pushed. And the guy who was running the program came in and basically said, don't believe anything Rosenberg says. He's a liar. (laughs) I remember hearing that, Got really mad because one thing I knew about myself, I wasn't a liar, but something clicked. And I remembered all of the pain, the emotional pain I had going back to early some of my life, the painful loneliness and sadness for which at that moment, I realized I was using drugs to medicate for. And there's this huge epiphany. So I went back to my room and just picked up a piece of paper and started writing things out. And next thing you know, I wrote this poem called Loneliness. And that idea of loneliness had profound impact on the rest of my mental health treatment as it would later in the creation of my human magnet syndrome and codependency cure theoretical frameworks. In fact, you should know, if you've been following me, that the cause of self-love deficit disorder, if you look at the pyramid, is at the bottom, attachment trauma, core shame, pathological loneliness, and then the other parts. And so, I'm going to read some poems, and here is one that we will start off with, loneliness. Loneliness is a feeling that is so hard to accept. It gnaws at you for a lifetime, no matter how hard you try to forget. You hope someone will understand, but no one does. The pain it causes is unbearable, only if you knew how much it hurts. All I ask for is one mere favor, just a friend, someone who cares, someone who loves, someone who gives me strength. How I need this. My dreams for a friend are always shattered. But I swear, if ever fulfilled, you'll see me with an outstretched hand. I'm ready to experience something I've craved for such a long time. If it takes a fight to get over this dreadful feeling, I'm ready. I'm waiting. Just let me get knocked down and watch me get back up. I will still fight, fiercely and determined, bruised and injured. I will never give up. Here I am. Just maybe. Just maybe. If I shed enough tears, I might look and notice there will be someone at my side, someone who really cares, someone who understands, and someone who loves me. How excited I get at this thought, a dream it may sound to be, but if it is, I beg of you, please don't wake me up. Now that still actually connects to me emotionally. That was written by 17-year-old Russ, and the idea of loneliness and how I tap into The feeling and the experience and the memory and my ability to write it down on paper. And then when people read it, they liked it a lot, which was kind of confusing to me. I don't know why people would like a poem about someone who's so sad and what I used to think pathetic. So what I learned at such a young age that if I think deeply enough about something that's bothering me and I can grasp a word, an idea, a concept like loneliness, I can write something that will not only have therapeutic value for me, healing value, value and in insight, value in kind of putting things together, trauma resolution, but it also will have value for those who read it. And this is well before I had any inkling that I had any level of intelligence or ability because the way I was raised, I never was taught that. No one ever said anything about it. Therefore, I never got a chance or never thought to think that. Now let's fast forward. Now I'm in my 20s. In the military, and one day I'm wondering about how the world's gonna end and how everything's gonna be sad and there's gonna be no hope for the future. And by the way, this was during the Cold War, and I still had not yet figured out that I could write, but this is what came from it. And the title is As I Gaze Over the Ocean. As I gaze over the ocean, staring in awe, such so much beauty around me, not a solitary flaw. The lone seagull glides ever so free, flying so gracefully how I wish that was me. The beauty and the peacefulness all over the land, the inevitable destruction, is so hard to understand. All these wondrous gifts are so much to cherish. Why am I so frightened that all might perish? The passing seasons, a withering flower, the end is near, the collapse of a tower. The ignorant people, without any sorrow, the great mushroom in the sky, will there be a tomorrow? And so that poem taught me that, hey, I can write poetry. And, uh, and you know, back then I didn't have really good self-esteem. And so that was something that to feel good about. But I realized if I had an idea or a fear or an emotion in the back of my mind and I can just put a pen to it, I'm going to learn something and I'm going to figure it out. So now let's fast forward. To another point in my life. This was right after a long term relationship with a person who I believed had borderline personality disorder, someone who was severely abusive to me. And I wouldn't know until much later that abuse and its accumulative state would cause post traumatic stress disorder. So, what I needed to do after the pain of this relationship was substantial, so substantial, like I said just a second ago, would become the basis for my future post-traumatic stress disorder, which was specifically connected to the chronic terrible abuse experienced in this relationship. And I wrote this poem that helped me sort things out. When the end greets the beginning, fists clenched, ball tight, waving high in the sky, like a tattered flag of war, firmly declaring the message of hard-fought freedom. The arm stretched higher than its length, wanting to even go higher, held back by its physical limitations, desiring to support the rage of its neighbor's hand. The body, tense with anxious exhilaration, energized by the wave of spontaneous emotion, reacting, wanting to release, neither knowing nor understanding, this electric energy. The mind, racing with scenes of the past, remembering the torrent of pain, memories frozen in time, razor sharp, unable to understand, but finally able to feel. The heart is embattled and tired, once protected by walls carefully made of controlled rage, crackling, crumbling, disintegrating, heralding the light to pass through. The soul, confused and bewildered, like the newborn's terror at birth, interpreting the beginning as the end of safety, but all the while, willing to open his eyes and greet what lies ahead. So that poem helped me sort out this terrible trauma that I had been in for four years, and using the metaphor and analogies of body parts and increasing from the superficial or the external all the way deeper into the soul. It was my attempt to work out the horrible trauma that I went through and convince myself that there was a progression to it that I could direct a positive outcome. So now, I want to continue with a poem that relates to post-traumatic stress disorder. But consistent with the message that I began this discussion with is that the use of metaphors, symbols, analogies, similes, if we can find a way to tap into some type of representation of a feeling or thought that we either don't understand but feel deeply, like in our body, That's where trauma registers and often communicates to us. In our mind, that is not really clear yet. Like for me, I had not really got to the point of psychotherapy and personal understanding to know what preceded these problems, why they continued, and what happened at the end. So I turned to what I trusted most, was writing a poem. And for this poem, I was trying to sort out how scared and nervous I was all the time after the end of yet another severely traumatic and abusive relationship with a woman I believed had narcissistic personality disorder. And this poem is called, When Today is Yesterday, parentheses PTSD. Time moves forward predictably and with precision. Tomorrow can't be stopped, but in the blink of an eye, today becomes yesterday. Memories once encased in leaden vaults, formerly sunk to the bottom of a murky abyss, spring forward into action, releasing the electric charge of a long-forgotten moment. I move forward, but the images pull me back. You are here, but haunted by the presence of the past. I hear your whisper, but startled at the scream. I hear your promises, but terrorized by the lies. I hold your warm body, but feel a cold heart. I am safe in your embrace but threatened by razor-sharp weapons. Stop! Identify yourself. Are you the present? If not, could you be the future? No! You are the past, hidden in the hazy glow of the here and now. As a child, I wasn't afraid of ghosts, but I am now. I read that, and I get goosebumps, because that poem... me understand how I sabotage relationships, especially with people who were not a narcissist. I had not yet gotten to the ideas that would become the human magnet syndrome, but it was the symbolism and the metaphor that helped me understand I am in a present moment, alive, strong, and vital. But there was this emotional undercurrent happening that actually was stronger and more persuasive to me and my personality and my life, and I needed to understand it. So I wrote this poem. Incidentally, at that time, I probably was in the mental health field 15 years, and I knew all about post-traumatic stress disorder. But just because you know something intellectually, doesn't mean you get it personally or subjectively. And for me and for others, which is the reason I'm doing this video, is by using poems by connecting to metaphors and symbolism, you can get somewhere. So about five years after that, I had made a lot of progress in in psychotherapy. I had a great psychotherapist who helped me understand a lot of my limitations, a lot of the roadblocks, um, potholes, per se, talking about metaphor, that I kept getting stuck by or just stopped. And so I came to this point where I was ready to move on, and I felt this flourish of positivity, courage, strength. I was just really, really psyched to be healthy and move forward. And so, I started writing a poem. And this poem, using the metaphor of flying, which I personally did not know how to do and still cannot, unless I get into a plane, I wrote this. Learning to fly. Crack, out of the cannon, I explode outwards and upwards into the vast unknown sky where dreams have not yet been assigned a form. As I glide towards the heavens, rise to new heights, I realize for the first time I can move in any direction and visit any place I was once too frightened or discouraged from visiting. I am ready to explore. The wild blue yonder is now my friend. The clouds my destination. Birds my companion. For the first time, my vision is accurate. Sharp. My dreams are now within arm's reach to be touched, to be felt, and tasted. What was once unfulfilled fantasies are no longer held hostage by empty hopes, false expectations, and a fear of failure. Goals that were once placed on too high shelves beyond my reach are now within my grasp. In the recycle bin of forgotten self promises, I now choose to retrieve once abandoned and forgotten dreams. With joy and excitement, my heart swells with hope because today I learned to fly. In that poem, I was able to tap into excitement and optimism and motivation that through writing this fantasy of being shot out into the sky and being free and flying like a bird resonated with me and helped me further to get excited, motivated, and want to keep progressing. And about five years later, oh, by the way, by this time, I had written the first edition of the Human Magnet Syndrome, and I started to understand codependency as a problem with self-love deficiency. So a time came where I started to understand that the primary problem with codependency or self-love deficit disorder was the absence of self-love abundance, and that a, a child who was raised by a narcissistic parent and a codependent parent is likely to grow up and be an adult who is either codependent or self-love deficient or pathologically narcissistic. And I wrote about this and talked about it and taught people how to look at our attachment experiences, the developmental sequences that eventually formed our adult personality. I taught people about attachment theory and how early relationships with our parents, or lack thereof, abuse, neglect, deprivation, abandonment can impact us so badly, so traumatically, that by the time we become an adult, we will have either become self-love deficient or a codependent or a pathological narcissist. So at the time I wrote this poem, it was when I now understood myself as a self-love deficient codependent who wanted to heal the trauma responsible for self-love deficit disorder. And I had already created new theories and explanations, including my self-love deficit disorder pyramid, which I'm going to show you right here. And because of this new way of thinking, I started to look at my own personal transformations, my growth in terms of a flower. And there's no coincidence because one of my favorite poems or my favorite sayings is by Anais Nin, which goes like this. And the day came when the risk to remain tight and a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Now, looking at the strength of metaphors and symbols, the idea, the picture I had of the rose being hunkered down in a bud state, avoiding trauma, but feeling what it understood was safety, had more consequences for being open, fully like a flower, in dealing with natural, and dealing with the consequences that naturally follow someone who's open and willing to express and feel themselves and be involved in a loving relationship. So that motivated me to write this poem, and this poem is entitled On Becoming a Rose, The Journey to Self-Love Abundance. Breaking through to self-love is the most difficult journey. Breaking through to self-love is the most difficult journey for paralyzed and anxious rosebud people whose roots are deeply and inescapably implanted in the inhospitable soil of forgotten and discarded dreams. Long winters of waiting tires any rosebud, who has had a lifetime of disappointing dreams of not being able to open up to share their nectar of self-love. The sun-drenched landscape where happy and fulfilled roses freely basked in the golden rays of love to share their delicious fragrance remains forbidden sad dreamscape for many a frightened rosebud. Rosebud's dream of throwing caution to the wind, risking predictable harm, inevitable pain for the moment of pure happiness, when hope and love overtakes the loneliness of safety. We all start off as rosebuds, perfect and pure, filled with potential to become the most beautiful, unique, and remarkable flower. Wounded roses, who were neither protected nor nurtured, know only to hunker down in a safe bud state to weather unpredictable storms. History has demonstrated that decisions to open up, to bloom, have predictably been met with opposition of gale-force winds and torrential storms. There comes a time when the courage to transform into a beautiful rose, the one we always were but didn't know about, overcomes our fearful vigilance to avoid further harm. The time is now to allow ourselves to understand, finally, that the fear of harm brought more suffering and losses than would have the rain, wind, and frost. We need to bravely be optimistic about the world, about ourselves, and decide to no longer settle for loneliness-infused safety. Deciding to bloom allows us to come to terms and accept our frightened rosebud life and why our parents could and never would tell us about our beautiful flower. It is time to discard our rosebud life of being lonely, self-love-deprived, and having unrealized dreams. Now more than any other time, we must bravely give ourselves permission to transform into the flower we always have been but never could know. As we vulnerably and carefully come to full bloom, stretching our arms out and connecting with the unpredictable but potentially loving world, we're going to experience for the first time the freedom of a flower. Only at this time will we finally understand the cost of mistaking ourselves for a rosebud and not the flower we always were. In that poem, I was able to take another poem or portion of a poem and progress in the idea of being trapped or buried by post-traumatic stress disorder, fears, trauma, and believing that by being trapped in this way or disassociated emotionally that my life was easier and safer than it would have been if I would have opened up, discussed, and tried to resolve this trauma so that I could get to the other side of it, which is the freedom of feeling safe in a world where I can be self-love abundant and experience a healthy relationship. Continuing the discussion of the importance of metaphors and symbols in understanding our mental health, especially when such an assessment or understanding of ourselves is like secret or invisible to us, or we are oblivious, or say we just haven't accepted it, it is trauma-based and we haven't gotten to those trauma memories, or we have been gaslit, or Any other reason for us to be blinded, sometimes That wake-up call is the power of that metaphor. And perhaps one of the most substantial and life-changing metaphorical discoveries for me was the human magnet syndrome. I had already created a training that I had given across the United States at least 50 or 60 times and twice overseas. And that training was called Codependence and Narcissists, Understanding the Attraction. And that was a good title. It got right to the point. But when it was time for me to write my book, The publisher put a lot of pressure on me to use a title that did not feel like it represented the content of the book or what I wanted to share. And so after some wrangling, I came up with this metaphorical discovery about magnets. A magnet, the North Pole and the South Pole are attracted to each other. Similar magnets, North Pole, North Pole, repel. And so the idea came to me that codependents who are opposite to narcissists, one is a caregiver, one is a caretaker, that they are magnets, the opposites attract each other. If it's two codependents repel, two narcissists repel. And there was the birth of the human magnet syndrome by this discovery of this metaphor. Another example is the metaphor I used in my observe, don't absorb technique. I discovered this saying that's now famous, it's by George Bernard Shaw, don't wrestle with pigs you'll get dirty, and besides, the pig likes it. I interpreted that metaphorically, that narcissists gain all of the strength and power by luring you into an argument, a discussion, a reaction. Metaphorically, if the narcissists are the wrestlers, and the wrestling ring is how they manipulate you to fight, then the idea of don't wrestle with pigs is don't wrestle with narcissists. And there became my observed, absorb technique, and explanation that has helped millions of people. And I'm proud of it. Um, that video is still being clicked on. And then lastly, my last poem I'll share. And before I do that, I want to let you guys know that I just created a page on Self-Love Recovery Institute's webpage. And on the top, it will say Ross's Poetry. And that is selfloverecovery.com. And there will have all of my poems that three are listed now. And every week, another one will be listed. So the last poem I want to share and its connection to metaphor was created by an event when I brought a girlfriend over to where I used to live. We were in the same town, that's Mount Prospect, Illinois, and on Cedar Lane. I can tell you because I don't live there, but I won't give you the exact number. I went there with her and I looked at my house and I didn't recognize it. It was like, it was weird. I'm looking at my house, the trees were different, the color of the paint was different, but yet there was the structure and there was that front door with the same door handle. When I was in front of the house looking at it, I was hoping, kind of fantasizing, someone would be there and invite me in and I could take a look at my my old house and see what happened to it. And my bedroom where it was an important sanctuary for me. After leaving the house and having all of these strange feelings bubble up in me, and I didn't quite understand them all, But I knew something significant was happening, something about me wanting to visit the house, me wanting to remember what the house was like back in, I left it in 1979 at age 18 when I joined the Army. So we're talking from 1966, age 5, to 1979, which is, you know, you do the math. So I got back home and I started thinking about it and thinking about it. And the next thing you know, I started writing a poem. And the concept came up to me about skeletons in my closet, the memories that were not so good, negative, sad, maybe upsetting, and that I had to face the skeletons in my closet in order to heal and to move beyond the trauma of my childhood. And that prompted this poem. And I'm going to read it to you, but like my other poems, this especially, it took me months to get it right. I accessed the metaphor, analogies, symbols, in order to figure out how I was really feeling. And it was the writing, the creation of the poem, and getting it, and I air quotes again, perfect, that would be the therapeutic impact of this. If I got the poem perfect, then I understood exactly what had happened to me, what I wanted to do, and where I wanted to get to. So without further ado, let me read this poem. Smiling skeletons, like a magnet, I was pulled toward my childhood home where lost days, weeks, and years were anonymously recorded on a calendar that no one ever saw. The house was painted anew, with familiar but overgrown trees, which could not hide the memories of a loneliness-stained childhood in which happily playing children were oblivious to the boy next door. Once inside my bedroom, I stood in front of the familiar but frightening closet, where broken toys and missing game parts were once carelessly scattered and sadly forgotten. On top of the lost remnants of my youth sat closet skeletons. These happy-seeming bony creatures rejoiced at the opportunity to dance in the light of recollection. My new skeleton friends encouraged me to accept what I had tried hard to forget, to release long-buried fears and live with half-open closets that no longer need to be locked tight. It's time to bid farewell to my skeleton companions, to acknowledge their generous sharing, to make friends with the past, to allow their healing energy into a life without dark, scary closets. In conclusion, I could not recommend more the use of writing. It doesn't have to be a poem. You don't have to be a poet. It could be an essay. It could be a focus on a symbol, a metaphor that feels right, that connects with your heart. And by the way, several times during the making of this presentation, I had a flood of emotions. I had goosebumps. It's because the strength of the metaphor and the symbolism connected to my emotional memories and, and to some degree, past trauma. So consider writing down some words, concepts, ideas, metaphors or symbols and explore them. Because if you can tap into the power and the potential they have to help you heal and build this greater foundation of self-love and understand and appreciate the tremendous opportunities you have in growing and becoming even healthier than you are now. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Again, if you wanna know more about my poetry, just click on the poetry tab at selfloverecovery.com. Or if you'd like to know more about my books or the online seminar programs that are available at Self Love Recovery Institute, selfloverecovery.com, just take a visit. If you have a comment or you want to rate this video or this podcast, please do so. That would help me out, or subscribe, or if you're among my YouTube community. Thank you, and be well.